And we're live and maybe a little bit late with our 136th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter. Joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Um, It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, There's been a lot that's gone on industry-wide that we're going to want to discuss today. Um, We do have guests coming up. Uh, As far as announcements go, the um, course for the Secure Code Review course for Black Hat is available and open. Registrations are coming in. So if you would like to attend that course, please go to blackhat.com and sign up. Uh, Let us know if you have any questions about what we do during that course. Obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you've probably heard our rundown on it in the past uh, as far as walking through code, identifying vulnerabilities and everything that we do and the approaches that we take. Um, Otherwise, uh, you know, travel is starting to open back up. Uh, we will be at different locations uh, where we will be applying to LastCon to teach there, right? That I, I guess we, I haven't applied yet, Ken, but that one's coming up. That's going to be, uh, that's October timeframe. And it looks like that's going to be in person. Um, I will also be at DEF CON. The Hacker Tracker stuff is picking back up. So we are going to start loading more conference data back into Hacker Tracker since we are going live again, right? Uh, People are going to be in person. It should be a helpful utility as people move forward. Uh, Let me see. I I think that's about it, Ken. Otherwise, um, unless you have something else off the top of your head, a burning desire to make an announcement about something. Uh, How about unmuting? (laughs) That's a good idea. Um, Yeah, LastCon is going to be... one that I think occurs in October and is in plan to be in person. So yeah, I'm like pretty stoked about that. I think we should apply. I think uh, it's always a fun one for AppSec conferences. And um, I always learn a lot when I go there yeah. and great hallway, hallway con because of the, the actual layout of that conference, I think is very conducive to those conversations. Cause it's not such a, it's like a big enough conference where there are all the people you want to talk to, but um, not so big that it's like overwhelming. And again, the layout of that area, like you've been there a bunch. I think it's in terms of how the rooms are like laid out with the, and then the hallway flow. It's sort of like you are you always have to pass by, you know, there's, there's no hiding. You're going to run into whoever... Whoever it is you're, you might want to see there, you're going to run into them in the hallways. And it's like, um, it's just literally the physical layout makes just chatting with people and and all that um, social networking, like really, really true social networking, right? Um, really an awesome space. And again, like people, the speakers themselves are, are really uh, accomplished and the topics are always really, really good. Um, it's just one of my favorites, as you know. So I- yeah. Like I, is that you? You've you've been to the DevSecOps run by the same folks there at, at the same venue yeah, at the same have facility. Have you done LastCon? No, actually, I have never done LastCon. Right, mm-hmm. that's that that's one that I for some reason I've always missed. There's always been other stuff going on, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. As far as it's always been on my list, right? Um, as well as I, I, apparently, there's one that's in a 
in Hawaii or something like that. I don't know. But somebody mentioned that to me at, at some point. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think um curious to see what, Oh, I just saw the chat. Yeah. I was uh, a little bit like Seth can attest. It's been uh this morning has been a really busy um, day and I just didn't have time to get my camera and lighting set up. So you're seeing a different angle today. So you can see the puppy crate behind me. We got a German shepherd and uh, sometimes she feels more comfortable sleeping in here. So you're, cause people are asking, I figured I might as well just address, I literally address the uh, elephant in the room. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, so you're just seeing a different angle of the office today. So usually all that's hidden away towards the side. It looks much more like a organized, uh, not, organized space. Yeah. 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 Not, not this nonsense I got going on back here. So, um, but yeah, like, uh, it's, it's nice. So anyways, yeah, I'm just really excited to like get back, like you said, just get back to in-person stuff and, um, yeah, it, it, this weekend we went to an amusement park and it just felt like normal again uh so it's like yeah it's really nice yeah and I, I mean honestly like i'm 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 taking my first business trip in over a year this next week right um and yeah it's it's going to be interesting right like i'm like wow I, I don't think there's been a period in the industry that i've i've gone so long without going to a conference going to a client site actually going to see people and feels kind of weird, right? That's the, uh, I, I'm sure it's going to be fine and we'll, we'll slide back into it as it makes sense. And as, as people are safe, but. No, I'm um, sure socially awkward people will be less socially awkward <laughs> now that they've been isolated. Yeah. For like that's a year gonna, and a half. I'm sure that's great. <laughs> that's, that's going to help. Right. You know, <laughs> now, now that they have to put on, you know, uh, pants instead of, you know, their <laughs> gym shorts every day. Right. Yeah, and I'm not calling everyone else socially awkward. I'm that's more referring to myself. So, <laughs> like not not trying to put labels on everyone else. That's that's just projection, is what I would call that. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So no, like Black Hat DefCon, um, then Last Con, and then uh, hopefully, you know, I, like one I really want to get back to is AppSec Cali. So hopefully AppSec Cali is coming out too, you know, like that they're usually around January, February. So I guess we'll find out what's going on. What's going yeah. on there. Um, yeah. So. And I mean, like, like I said, DEF CON is going to be in person. I, I don't know how big it's going to be. There is definitely, I, 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 I still find it interesting because there's these weird, um, so DEFCON's always been cash anonymous based, right? And this year you have to actually sign up. Um, you know, you have to give them your info online. They're trying to be very like circumspect about it. Um, but uh, because they've got to be able to plan, right? You've got a huge conference that you're trying to run. You need to know how many people are going to show up. And they've been able pr to predict year over year based on how many people attend Black Hat, right? And then mm. they got like overage on there because Black Hat has that like you has that option to pay for DEFCON with your Black Hat attendance rate. Um, and oh, so that, I didn't that's, know that yeah yeah so that that's been part of the how they've calculated numbers in the past. Um, but this year is going to be really interesting to hear uh, to see what happens and if it actually prevents people from going on top of you know tinfoil hattie and right, being. COVID related and everything else that's going into it. Um, but e either way, I'll be down there. It's going to be an interesting conference. And 
Um, it should be a good one, right? But anything um, will be good at this point. <laughs> yeah, anything will be good. Absolute Cali, I, I think you'll start to hear more announcements coming out, mm. especially stuff September of uh, Forward CloudSec. If you haven't uh, seen that one from Scott Piper, um, that's going to be in Salt Lake City in September as well. Uh, I would highly recommend it if you do it, do anything cloud or AWS related. Um, I, I'd almost say it's it's going to be better than, <laughs> uh, you know, reinvent as far as technical, like security, practical, being able to get advice on how to run a run your cloud environments. Right. Yeah. Um, but so I'll definitely be at that one, too, because that's like back door for me or, you know, backyard. Um Otherwise, September yeah, 13th and 14th for that one. Yep. Yep. Mm. So check your schedule. Try and make that one happen if uh, if you're out there and you're interested. And we'll go have an absolute AppSec lunch or drinks or something, right, uh, over that. Oh, wow. They've got the playlist from 2020's CloudSec. So I'll just post that right now, too. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Sweet. Well, I mean, I'll... I'll post that. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone's going to write that down. But here's the, but yeah, they've got a YouTube playlist. It's linked off of forwardcloudsec.org. So uh, you should definitely go check that out. There's a lot of talks there. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. And if you're not following Scott, you should be on Twitter as well. The research he does on AWS is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I like to, you know, since Ken, I see Ken Toller's chat, chatting today. Uh, you know, I enjoyed like, um, Ken Toller and Mike McCabe's uh, cloud security yeah. talk when we were at, speaking of dev, what was it? DevSecOps Austin? Is that what it was? DevSecOps Days Austin? Dev, something DevSecOps like that. Days, yeah. <laughs> I think that's right, yeah. So yeah. It's a mouthful, we'll say, but it was a great talk and yeah, I really enjoyed that. So um, yeah, it's just any cloud security stuff is of interest. This week uh, at work, we're, we're, uh, we're talking a lot about just like, interest in cloud security. So all that stuff's really relevant for me, especially like I'm really familiar with AWS or I should say I'm really familiar with AWS three years ago, AWS. Like, I don't know what all has been <laughs> the recent, most more recent developments, but like um, Azure is, you know, obviously well, you know, get up so with Microsoft. So we're doing a little bit more with Azure. So I have uh, tried to, as of late, start learning a little bit more about Azure. I think most of them, most of these services have like, different names and similar services um, and sometimes very similar names and similar services. But um, yeah, Azure's, have you spent any time doing Azure security at all? Not, uh, not really. Uh, you know, it just, it, it's never popped up. I've actually spent more time in GCP than I have in Azure just because it, you know, it's, it's been where a couple of clients have been, have lived. Right. Yeah. Um, but definitely like AWS is the, Still, the you know five hundred pound gorilla in the room, or whatever you want to call it, two you know two ton gorilla in the room at this point. But who do you think has the worst interface uh, based, based off of your last experience? With it doesn't have to be like timely or like uh, recent. It just needs to be like a couple platforms. Or yeah, like what, what's the worst interface that you've experienced? Uh, a GCP. I just yeah, <laughs> trying to figure out how to do things in GCP. Without like some sort of manual, yeah. I, I mean, you know, AWS at times has you know little quirks, and it's definitely still a developer's playground. Um, but 
Yeah. At least that's my experience. I mean, somebody that's in Google every day probably doesn't have the same experience. Once you get used to it, it seems to, you can work with pretty much anything, but definitely GCP is the, is the one that I, yeah. What is IBM's? Cause I know Ken Teller just recommend or uh, mentioned IBM. What is, is that, is that blue? Is that what blue mix is? Or am I thinking of something else? I mean, uh, maybe I don't know what I'm, I don't know. I'm sure I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what IBM's cloud solution is called. And don't recommend. <laughs> That's all you need. Ken Toller recommends IBM Cloud. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> it's called IBM Cloud. It's literally yes. just called IBM Cloud. I, I know. I just look at it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Very awesome. A lot of, a lot of thought. Like, uh, what was that thread about the person that got paid for naming? Um, Ah, oh, just this is like the person that named Toy Story or not Toy Story, um, Pixar movies, got paid like some obscene amount, and that's like recently come to, to you know to public knowledge. And it was like, but then they went through the list of titles, and it was hilarious. It was like the most obvious crap, like Toy Story. Like, yeah, it must have taken a long time to, to, think to, to that come one. up with that. <laughs> yeah. So hmm. finding Nemo. <laughs> <That's> the, yeah. <laughs> I can see that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but um yeah, I, I would I'd have to say in my experience, I don't like I don't like Azure's um I don't know if it's changed uh you know or improved in, in a like a you know in much of a way, but the the like whole side scrolling type of like layout I didn't like, but I have to say of all the services. Yeah, GCP was the hardest for me to, like, I think it was just stupid stuff. Like, okay, you need more disk size because of your logs eating up space or whatever and shutting down and like literally just shutting down, you know, our, our server and uh, just going to find those settings of how to boost those, those values was a nightmare. I'm like, how can this be this complicated? Like, why would you bury and it? But I've also heard that the people that really know GCP feel, feel like it's actually, uh, well, I guess that's probably true with anybody who works on something, you know, like they're the SME in that. They probably think it makes sense. But yeah, they, I, I don't feel like it made, made much sense. So yeah. AWS is my favorite for sure in terms of interfaces. Yeah, whatever. You're converting over to what? Alibaba Cloud at this point. I know you. Alibaba Cloud. <laughs> Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> now, Alibaba <laughs> cloud work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's interesting how there's there has been so many, how many providers have jumped into the cloud space. And the, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I do feel it like it's similar to Wild West with a lot of that on the back end. Um, and I know that there's a lot of research that's going into it. You've got, you know, huge companies that are, you know, focusing on cloud security nowadays. Um, but anytime that a, a smaller vendor jumps into that space and starts to offer up the same things, right. Um, you see exposures like S3 buckets, right. Or whatever they're called in Azure and, you know, the storage. I, I don't remember now. Yeah. It's the same. It's just a, like, this is file storage. Yeah. It's like their cloud storage or file storage or something like that. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. like you have the same sorts of vulnerabilities that pop up with, the, with all of those different services. And so like, I, I have a tendency to shy away. I, I don't know. Right. It's like anything, right. The, the, the eyes that are focused on the largest provider in the room tend to find more vulnerabilities 
But even if you go with something that's more obscure, uh, so in the U.S., uh, you know, Alibaba Cloud, I, I mean, I know that's not necessarily obscure, especially if you go worldwide. But if you start using, you know, some of the older or smaller providers for that, I don't want to call out specific names. I just question how much is actually done to eliminate or investigate those types of vulnerabilities that you see in AWS. So you see things like SSRF, you see that, you know, the the keys being leaked and all that other stuff. But if you're going to a smaller provider, that's probably something that you want to keep into keep in the back of your mind, right? As, as far as, okay, I really need to research what's going on if I deploy this application to, yeah, to some small mom and pop cloud shop. It seems strange to me to say mom and pop cloud shop, but I, I mean, realistically it exists out there. Oh yeah, it definitely does. I think one thing that like that's nice about the bigger providers is that when it comes to and this is, I don't know, I kind of hate myself for bringing, for bringing up compliance, but it is it is helpful and like you know you you've been through it. I mean, I've been through it um, several times now where there's been several different compliance requirements and man, you could just point to those larger providers documentation and it's just done. Yep, yep. Yeah. Someone says blob storage. Yeah, it is. I was going to say blob. It's blob storage. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's well, naming is very <laughs> naming is nebula, naming is hard. Apparently. Yeah. Very well, difficult. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, you're asking, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're asking developers to come up with names and have you ever seen variable names? That's basically what it is, right? <laughs> oh, which we call this blob storage. But let's let's capitalize the S, right? Let's make sure that or we're putting an underscore in there. Yeah. We're all very literal. So. <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but that's one like consideration is definitely like uh the the com- the things you can just basically say, no, you don't need to worry about that. Amazon or Azure or Google Cloud just takes care of it for you. That's always nice. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think like I want to do more in the cloud security space because it's been a few years since I've spent a lot of time knee deep in that. Um, so of course I decided to, you know, take a manager role so I could, so you could, you know, more technical, more. Yeah. less technical. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but, so yeah, Sweet. I would say Ford cloud sex sounds like something I would even want to fly out for in September. So yeah. yeah, I've been telling you for the longest time. I want to go out your way. Maybe that's a good excuse to do it. Yeah, it would be fun, right? So, well, anyone else is obviously invited, right? Uh, so it's just downtown Salt Lake City, and it'll be a good time. I, and there'll be good talks, too. So, Man, yeah. So um, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I know we're kind of you know, all over the place today, right? Uh, it's just that, you know, I think the last couple of weeks have been hard for yeah. some reason. I, I, I've been dealing personally, like, my my older daughter is, or my oldest daughter is graduating, right? So crazy. Um, and yeah, so we've been dealing with all of the graduation ceremonies and stuff like that. So I feel like my head's kind of in, you know, two different places. Um, but I did want to talk about the breaches, right? Because there was an interest, there was a couple interesting ones that popped up over the last two weeks, right? Since we, since we last talked. Um, the first one was the the investigation that Wired did and the reporting that Wired did on the breach that actually happened, um, I think it was back in October of last year. So okay. let's, let's post up that Wired story. I'm doing it now. Story. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a smaller healthcare provider that um, 
yeah, the provided mental health, uh, you know, advisors, right? And had, yeah, I, I mean, basically they just got hacked. Their database, uh, you know, somebody dumped everything that was in the database, ransomware attack. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they just ended up paying for the key in that case. Um, but the data was out there and then got released by the hackers you know, into the, the dark web. And it has mental health data in it for millions and millions of people, right? Like it, 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 it's kind of a, a scary um, rundown of, of what can actually happen. Um, and I, I know we've started to see this in the U.S. as well. I, I mean, I think the provider was in Finland, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Finland's oldest mental health provider, right? Um, and they've provided a lot of social good and helped people, but uh, like all of the records from those sessions that people had had with their therapists have been released, right? And uh, you start talking about private information and that's, that's devastating. Um, you know, you, you're, you're talking to someone in a, what you consider to be a trusted environment and that gets released onto the internet publicly for anyone to go search through and dump and read. And um, I mean, from a, just a strict like profiling perspective, it's devastating enough, if not from the stuff that you actually told a therapist about. And I, yeah, I, I, the reason that I wanted to bring this up, what were you going to say? Yeah. They didn't anonymize the data. They didn't encrypt the data. And from what the consultancy that was, well, not consultancy, but R and D. I guess it's probably a consultancy as well, um, with an R and D wing. They they were like, yeah, if you had basically reached out to any security engineering consultancy, they would have told you these are pretty basic things to to do to safeguard that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and they self certified, so there's that too. Uh, yeah, I mean, as much as and, and this goes back to it, right? Like, as much as we don't like compliance, it does force some of these standards down to a level where it protects us as people from companies not doing what they probably should do. And they know they should do. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, if the financial industry wasn't regulated the way it was, if PCI didn't come about, I doubt the AppSec industry would be where it's at. Um, because it did force a lot of companies to take into account that code security is a thing that they need to take seriously. Oh my goodness. This, this article gets a little crazier. Um, Okay. (laughs) Wow. So these two, sorry, give me one sec here. I'm trying to try to tie these two pieces together. This is really crazy. So, oh my gosh. So there was a pair of, pair of developers for this system, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And those two developers had gotten into some trouble because they had, um, one of them had discovered an IDOR. Uh, So in their their previous position, it sounds like they had um, discovered like an IDOR vulnerability where you could just change the URL and, you know, there's like 20,000 database assets that you could uh, download. Again, this is another company is like before they ever went to this Fastamos or whatever um, this company is that has the system that was breached. 
so anyways, before they came to this, they, uh, they, one of them discovered the IDOR reported to the other one, the other one, like downloaded all that data, uh, you know, his research. And then, you know, they did tell the, they did tell the company, but there was like a, there was a, uh, pre-trial type deal similar to what I had talked about, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, like I had found an issue and you know, reported it, but they, so, but the difference was with them, they actually like did some stuff that was a little sketch. It sounds like, um, so they had been in some legal hot water prior to even being, <laughs> that's just so interesting and weird that they had like found a vulnerability, exploited it before like working here. And then like, after having worked here, they had gotten this vulnerability reported to them and, or not vulnerability, but, um, breach reported to them. That's uh, just weird. It's a, this is a weird article, man. This is a good one. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Well, and I, I mean, that was part of the reason that I wanted to post it up, but it was also like, I wanted to, to have a discussion about, again, smaller providers, right? Um, and the, the compliance that is required of them. Um, there's a lot of data. And I know that there's organizations that target uh, law firms, right? For this same sort of thing. And uh, law tech providers, because of the data that they have and the confidentiality of that data, um, it becomes a larger target. And there's a lot of times that lawyers come out and represent people, um, but lawyers in and of themselves are not necessarily technical in nature. one of the first like compliance or consulting gigs that I ever did on the side way back in the day when I was working with uh, uh, the bank was for a law firm that basically had all this infrastructure that they had stood up and their main like uh, email, like exchanged server had been um, hijacked, right? Because they basically had no one on staff to keep things up to date, and didn't realize that it had happened. I think it had gone on for a good year or so that all this client communication, everything like that, that was flowing through this exchange server had been uh, like compromised. There was no indications that they had actually taken it and done anything with that data. But this is what we start to run into when we're using smaller providers. And that in and of itself is not a bad thing, but the targets that are there can get pretty big, right? I, I mean, because honestly, have you ever heard of what Vastamo or whatever it is? No, you know, yeah. we haven't, right? Like, yeah. but I mean, we're, we're also not in Finland, so that probably makes sense. Um, but the, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of kind of providers on the back end for financials oh and IT and other yeah, financials, sorry, law firms, other industry verticals that have issues. And when they those issues get discovered, yes, they go and fix them. But we never really think about the threat that's been introduced and what the data actually looks like that got exposed until something like this happens, right? Um, so the Stamo in this case was, a, you know, the, the, the company itself was targeted, but there's a lot of times that you can target backend providers and you can find systems that are used by like two thirds of the financial industry industry that are out there, right? Uh, because everybody uses the same provider on the back end. So. 
Dude, they opened up the firewall. They opened the database server up in the firewall so that they could do remote management of, of it instead of um, setting, like they said, setting up a VPN, you know, um, or even just allowing only their, like if you just needed to go in for a, a little bit, you know, like temporarily allowing your own IP, um, only your own IP, which is not a great idea, obviously VPN all the way, but I mean, man, they just open it up to the public internet in general, just so they could, uh, wow. I'm just reading this and this is, I mean, this is, man, and this type of data that people, man, yeah. this is, yeah. this is what, life ruining what? stuff. It's just, I mean, wow. It's just insane. Um, good luck to these two ever getting a job again. So yeah, there you go. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. Um, which really, like, that company has really, like, I mean, they, 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 I get it. They, they contracted these people to build the, to build the system. So, but like, man, they really just like those two did it, and that's kind of how this <laughs> is playing out. So, um, wow, that's just bananas. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, other than, other than to say, you know, because you, we have a few links for different breaches that have occurred over the last few weeks. I mean, they paid these attackers, right? Which is you know, it's like half a million dollars. It's actually of all the breaches we've seen. That's actually not that much. That's it sounds like a lot, but it's really not that that much. And people will pay it for sure. Like, for instance, when the uh, with the oil shortage that occurred, like that attack, they paid those hackers. Like those hackers got what they they came for. What else are you going to do when you know a system like that's in jeopardy, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. What is it? Uh. We were just talking about. Uh. Is it? Oh my gosh. Is it? J was it JBS? JBS. Yep. yep yeah. That's the JBS. other one. Here's we can post the link for that, but you know, this is another breach that just occurred where it's like the, uh, I think it's the world's largest meat processing company. Um, and I saw a lot of, rep- <laughs> it's funny too, because I saw the, the tweet where they like, like the little new snippet tweet and like, there's a bunch of replies like, who cares? Don't eat meat. Like, uh, don't eat processed meat, like all this stuff, you know? But the reality is, you know, the supply chain of things is being attacked. So, you know, even if you don't care for meat or oil or anything like that, most of the world runs off these things and and they're being um, targeted, clearly. So I, I wonder, you know, just given the, uh, you know, how, 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 uh, how fragile our global supply chain is, and we've all realized that, how, how, how more freak, how the frequency might increase of these types of um, targeted attacks. Uh, been speculated on, books have been written about this. I think Daniel Meisler wrote a pretty awesome book, kind of like tying in all the ways you could exploit all the different types of devo- devices. And this isn't a new concept, but we're seeing it actually play out. It's not fiction anymore. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the JBS one is uh, like it. It does feel a lot like the um, the oil pipeline, right? Like the um, and what happened there, where they yeah, it said it was the target of an organized cybersecurity attack, right? I'm not, and I always question that, right? Like how much of this is crimes of opportunity versus you know, someone actually targeting specific IT systems. Um, a lot of the ransomware, right? Anytime that it gets installed, it auto encrypts, and at which point it starts to shut stuff down. Right? That's just the nature of it. So it feels kind of like a drive-by attack at times because somebody clicked on a link or they did something that they shouldn't have done, um, as opposed to, hey, this is a you know a foreign entity 
that is targeting a specific company to shut down supply um, that I, I don't think as much of that goes on as, as, Hey, let's see what we can get by throwing this malware malware out onto the internet. It um, could be that, but that's the problem. It could also be hiding other, you know, intentions like moving markets a certain way or, you know, screwing up your competitor or whatever other motivations that might be concealed through these crimes, like maybe hidden under the surface and it may look like a, you know, an opportunity or sorry, a, a target of opportunity rather, or an opportunistic crime, or even maybe even like a politically motivated or otherwise motivated. Uh, but, you know, again, it's like hard to know because the effects of global supply chain altering things or attacks like this can really shift markets and really shift like you could really capitalize on that. You could say like, give me 4 million in Bitcoin or whatever. But in reality, you could make way more money, I'm sure, off of just, you know, like I said, moving the market a certain way and, and you know, cashing in that way. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's very interesting to see. And we, well, as we and get more data online. This is going to be, you know, personal yeah. data. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's, man, it really does make you want to throw away your computers. <laughs> well, and that's, I, I, I mean, it does. And that, that's the interest. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, I, part of it gets political at times too, right? Um, I, I mean, so the White House released that executive order. Derek brought that up in chat on improving nation cybersecurity. And I don't think we've talked about that too much. Um, it's, you know, it's definitely a good thing. Uh, I always, I, my knee jerk reaction to a lot of that is always Hey, that's great. Who are you going to find to actually do this? Right. Um, you know, it was whatever, like, you know, I, I can't remember how, what, five or 10 years ago when the army came out and said they were going to hire 30,000, you know, security <laughs> people, cybersecurity yeah. professionals. And I'm like, the industry is like maybe five to 10,000 people that really know what's going on. Like you're going to employ all of them. Plus a magical another twenty thousand, right? Like they're gonna just... pass. They're gonna pass physicals, drug screening, yeah. <laughs> uh, background checks, uh, mental health wellness checks, all that stuff. I'm sure they'll all, and then clearance related, right? I'm sure there's all those people will be cleared for this work too, right? <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on, get out of here with that. <laughs> what it really meant is we're gonna start training people and we're ramping up to this, but yeah. Um, so I, I always look at it with a with a bend of what is the government trying to get into now? <laughs> like, yeah. what, like, what are they trying to regulate now so they have more uh, oversight? Like, keep keep away government. That's always my first knee jerk reaction. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, say I, that, I, but I, I actually like. I say that, but I actually think like if the um, the smartest thing, to, all jokes aside, the smartest thing to do, though, if you are breached, because um, I had done a talk with Chris Gates at uh, the DOJ years back, like maybe 20, I don't know, we'll just say 2014. I, I don't even remember. But it was around that within a couple years of that time frame. And we went there and we saw the um, the head of the FBI speak about uh, cybersecurity and they shared some really interesting things. But one thing I think I took away from that was like businesses, sh if, you, if you're getting like ransomware, or you're getting targeted, you should definitely talk to uh, um, 
like the FBI uh, cybersecurity group, because there are a lot of things that positive things that will come from that. Um, and it's honestly a great way to protect your, your business too. And also, you know, like the one thing you do have to realize is they are going to have access to everything, right? Like they're, they're definitely going to ask for logs of everything and they're going to have a lot of access. And so maybe that sucks, but, um, it was, you know, they spent hours explaining just sort of like what they do and like the, this case studies and everything It's just fascinating. But I, I think that, that, that was like going back on what I was saying, backpedaling. <laughs> Uh, just because I do think like there's a, a pretty valuable um, group that they have there. And then and, and that's a valuable exercise when, when you're targeted. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that was part of that executive order was the, you know, the, the sharing of threat information, like making it easier or allow the different government agencies to talk. I mean, I, mean, I know in the industry, we can we have back channels for a lot of that. Right. And there are groups that have been formed for, you know, different industries to share threat data and to, you know, to figure out what's going on, like the different certs. And, um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know how much of that is actually like that, that combined effort, how well that does from a prevention perspective. It, it is definitely great for response. Um, yeah. 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 No, I mean, it, like, yeah, I think really what what and going back to this executive order, you know, it's like it, these policies. I don't know, man. It's like it's great that we write policies and try to address these things, but it's it's you know, in terms of like, and this is a very long proposal here, but I, I do like to see certain things like enhancing the software su- security supply chain. You know, these are all things we already know, right? Things we already know need to be done. And it's great that they're writing policies. I question the effectiveness of the government in general at all times, yeah. of course. I think you should. But um, at least there are these, some of these uh, sections do appear to be a little bit more focused on rel- like modern and relevant uh, issues uh, somewhat anyways. I mean, it's, like I said, I'm not, I'm no bootlicker, man. I'm no like, you know, but anyways, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, yeah, I, I guess they're at least trying and that they've got some relevant stuff in there. But again, I just, yeah. I, I never know. I never know. Right. Like how, how useful is this really going to be? So. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, we, we all know that it takes money and it takes time. Right. Um, and, and realistically there's no, there's no silver bullet for, for solving the issue. Um, I mean, maybe don't, don't hire two guys that don't know what they're doing to, you know, manage the security. (laughs) It was a fraud. It was a fraud espionage, cyber espionage fraud and uh, something else like um, almost trial. They, they got away with it because they couldn't establish, um, they couldn't establish uh, a way that they had monetized this, the theft of that data. That's the only reason. Cause like, like if they had received a penny in any, in any way for like, even just maybe even going on an interview to tell, tell somebody that they like found that software and made money off that. Like, I, I guarantee you they, they would have tied that. They would have been like, that would have been at least something right on their, their legal dossier. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyways. Banana. Sorry, I know you had a broader point, but that's bananas to me. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, well, the, the only broader point that I had was that it, 
it, it takes effort and, um, sometimes it takes concerted effort that, that is, I mean, I mean, you look at the size of those agencies, the size of the government and, you know, changing cybersecurity strategies midstream, you know, every four years with a new administration feels like a super bad idea, right? Like it just, yeah, I, yeah. you know, cause some of those initiatives, right. You start training developers on security and then you just drop it because it becomes less of a priority. What's going to happen? Right? Or, you know, you switch focus and you decide that, okay, application security isn't the thing. Let's concentrate on FedRAMP and let's fit the, the cloud security side of things, right? Like you've got all of these competing policy and security standards that are there too. And I just, I'm with you. I, I'm pretty skeptical as to how well that could be implemented in the long term without some sort of industry involvement, without some sort of um, pressure that is sustained across all these different, all these different areas of security. Right. I, but that being said, they, you know, the, like the DOD specifically, or yeah, they do a better job with it, but it's because it all comes from an ap- operational security aspect. Right. Uh, so this is interesting that within 270 days of the date of this executive order, the secretary of commerce acting through the director of NIST and with, you know, FTC and representative representatives from other agencies, basically they're creating a software labeling program, which sounds like they're going to provide labels around like literally like labeling how secure, I guess your, your software, uh, not, not just your software, but like the program around developing software um, is. So this is, this is just, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's, it, this is interesting. It's literally like reading this just it reads like someone was like, Hey, we need to have a software security program and like make it formal. That's really what this looks like. I mean, this, yeah. this is like any company, any company is sort of like for, formalized. It, like it talks about putting tooling in and putting in um, penetration testing and just, yeah, it's like a SDL. It's like literally SDL requirements. It's very, very interesting. The government put that. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, the software labeling program, man, is that going to work? I mean, I mean, I know you like for electronics and things like that, you have like the underwriters laboratory or the UL stuff, right, to make sure that everything's safe. So I get the the inclination to go that direction, but in general, like exactly what you're asking, how how is this going to work? Because of the nature of software, because of the nature of updates. I mean, if the government gets involved and prevents you from releasing, you know, a new version of your software because you haven't gone through a six month, whatever, you know, testing priority from their designated laboratory, like, I mean, that that's an innovation killer. So. Huh. Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely. It is. Man, they even talk about auditing and like logs shall be protected by cryptographic methods. Uh, logging woohoo yeah yeah but it it probably is like it really honestly to back to the whole point of why this executive order was brought up you know yeah it probably is that we're just seeing these increased attacks and how fragile we're just i think if anything over the last two years 
fragility. Like if I had to put it, put one word around the last two years is fragility, because that's what we, I think we've all collectively realized is that it doesn't take much to go back to the dark ages. So it's, it's pretty interesting to, um, to see more, both more attacks that are targeted towards supply, like the not supply chain of software, but supply chain of like our global connected economy. And then, um, see the countermeasures coming out of the government. So, yeah, I don't know, man, it's going to be a, an interesting next decade as the things <laughs> that were once discussed as possibles or fiction or, you know, the future is like happening. So, yeah. Well, I mean, we're seeing that too from a, I mean, we didn't even talk about the whole M1, um, the Apple malware uh, against yeah. the M1, you know, architecture either. Or um, the, 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 what is it? Any, was it any something? Uh, oh, the, yep. the yeah. mal- malvertising uh, where they replaced the, um, any desk, any, any desk ads were replaced by malicious versions of the executable. So if you downloaded it, you've got malware installed mm-hmm. on your computer and it was through Google's tar- targeted ads. But anyways, like, but back to your point, like, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about any of this stuff and it's all out there. Yeah. It's all out there. And it's, it, it, it's, it's all part of that, like theoretical attacks that we, we discussed, you're right. 15 years ago, right. As that this is going, this is going to be possible if we leave certain data out in the open um, if we're not following, you know, proper security practices and, you know, validating input like we need to, right. The, all that kind of stuff comes into play um, for releasing and, you know, trusting these, these different sources. Now, when it gets down to like Silicon level with the Apple processor, right. It's, it's one of those, you kind of throw your hands up in the air, but on, but Realistically, it all comes back to software security because those chips were created with software. You know, there is, you know, there's certain, yeah, there's certain um, indicators and there's certain things that you could do to prevent that, those sorts of vulnerabilities from popping up in silicon. But some of it is very expensive from a processing perspective, right? You, you start, you go back to Spectre and Meltdown. Um, and those sorts of vulnerabilities, yes, you can implement checks in the software, but it reduces the effect- effectiveness of those chips. And so it starts to become, okay, all right, it, those trade-offs are always extremely difficult to, to balance, um, especially from a consumer perspective, right? Like, what do I trust from the internet? Because I, I mean, even as a security professional, there's places that I go and I download software from. And I trust implicitly Um, uh, a regular user or someone that is not as technically competent as say you or I is going to have no clue, right? Like they're going to go pull down software from the app store. They're going to go to some website and put in their credentials because that's what they've always done. So someone taking over that is going to be uh, much more effective from a malware perspective. Um, yeah, I'm laughing because Ken Keller was like, man, he's ruminating on like how, how we used to put these brand, we used to brand these vulnerabilities. Right. But no, I mean, this is another example of, yeah, malware through advertising, you know, it's a Safari extension in this example. 
And yeah. so, um, yeah, I, that, no surprises there. What's interesting too, is like one thing I'm, I'm going to, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen is, is we, there's more and more protections being ba baked into browsers, right? We're, we're really starting to lean on browsers pretty heavily for the, the newer like specifications for how to identify the, the user and do like web often and things like that. Right. So, and the secure enclave for browsers, um, there's more and more, I guess what I'm saying, like being offloaded to these browsers. So I expect that's going to be a pretty targeted part of the landscape. Ah, and I know I don't get me wrong. Yes. We're all very familiar that, Browsers have always been a, 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 a we're an AppSec. We know it's a significant target. We know that blah blah blah. Like we, but I think what what is more and more interesting is how we're leaning on browsers security more and more and more and more. And we're building all of our standards, trying to offload that security to the browser. Right, even making up, I'd argue, for some of the weaknesses in our server side rendering or server side security flaws, we're offloading more and more to the browser. So. This is a trend that's just continuing. And uh, I mean, I think one thing that would be really nice is if all these browsers all kind of work towards being on the, the same page more and more. You know, it's like, I mean, and I really would like to have Patrick Toomey on this podcast from, from GitHub at some point. But one thing he always talks about is like, and he's got a very valid point. I think Neil does as well, which is like, you know, Chrome and Firefox pretty usually can pretty much get them to like follow some of the same specs. But then like Safari always has their own, like their own special sauce, their own special version of whatever standards built their own, like intellectual property. And they safeguard all that shit to like the nth degree and make honestly, these standards a little bit difficult to even, you know, implement uniformly. So, and I'm not like crapping on them. I'm just saying that meaning crapping on like Apple or whoever, but I'm saying that it's like, you know, these are things that are just interesting and, and are going to be, I think the, the next prevalent attack vector, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot there because it, it, anymore the browser is a, I mean, it's, a, it's realistically its own operating system. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we have code that runs within the browser. We have, you know, JavaScript lives there. We've got HTML, we've got markup, we've got all the extensions that you, and plugins that can be loaded and, the protection mechanisms exist within the browser. And yes, at times there's stuff that breaks out of that to the overlying underlying operating system, but you could target the browser specifically for a lot of these attacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Derek asking if electron counts kind of jokingly, but no, honestly, like more and more apps are basically running a, a DOM under the hood, right. Yep. Um, to include electron. So it's, not a, I know, I know he was kind of joking, but it's, it's honestly, that's the reality is a lot of these desktop apps are just, they're just like simplified web browsers. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you've seen that push into mobile apps as well, right? React yeah. Native and a lot of the, the different cross-platform development frameworks enable that because it's an easy way to represent the same data across multiple operating systems, whether that's your browser, whether that's Android or iOS or, you know, Mac versus Windows or Linux, whatever, right? Electron makes that easy and we, we abstract out, but it does introduce a whole new layer of attack surface for someone to go after, for malicious users to go after. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So I guess how do we how do we sum up today? <laughs> I don't know. Yep. I don't have a good yep. summary. Everything's terrible. Every, for, we we, we are away. we are application security nihilists, right? Yeah. Don't and we do didn't computer we, stuff. Yeah, we didn't even have uh, Stefan on to help prod us along. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. No, realistic, realistically, you know, be smart and protect yourself, right? I, I think, and make sure that those people in your um, in your circles that aren't as technical as you know what they should do, right? I, uh, I mean, I'm all I'm constantly talking to friends and family about like, oh, what can I do? I know you try, right? And I know we all try. <laughs> we all try. <laughs> But, Don't even get me fucking started on passwords, just passwords alone. Like I had a whole rant. I won't even go into it, but yeah, like just, just dealing with family who just passwords with family members, man, let alone trying to like, Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off, but like, no, no, you're fine. This is too fresh for me. This is too recent. It's just so frustrating. Like, yeah, I, that's what we need, man. We need like a, like a little, little, you know, those little uh, pamphlet cheat sheets. It's like, you need to start distributing that to family and just being like, look, do these things, please. Paste it on your wall, you know. Not, not your password? Wait, I thought you were supposed to share that I promise the security you, guy in your life. Not giving you a free giveaway. Maybe don't try that, you know. Uh, maybe don't click on these links. Maybe don't use the same damn password for everything. Like, or And then forget your password, you know. It's for every, anyways, yeah, sorry. Like, frustration. It's too real for me, Seth. It's too real. Oh, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I mean, let, let's not even talk like SMS, FA, you know, two FA or anything like that. Oh God, just, yeah. j- just the use of strong passwords is a has not filtered down as much as we we would expect with as much exposure and uh, publicity that it gets. It's still not. It's still the biggest issue that I deal with uh, when it comes to non technical family. Right? Yeah. And even if they do everything right, it might still be breached. So, <laughs> yeah, nihilism might. We should just label this AppSec nihilism, nihilism. episode. <laughs> I can. I, we, we, we can do that. Um, anyway, I think uh, what's on the docket for the next couple of weeks, we do have, we need to get out some invitations to people that, are, mm. that want to be on the podcast. Yeah. Um, if, yeah. yeah. Come, come. Yeah. That's on come me. To- yeah, it's all you get emails. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I've got I've got some emails to send out. Just been, you know, honestly, we've got. Um, I I can't wait to talk more publicly. I would say in the next, I would say probably a month from now, I can talk more publicly about some of the um, different projects that we've had going on at work. Mm-hmm. Which is why I keep saying I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Um, but like, it, it is really. These things are fascinating. They're all happening at once and I can't wait to talk about them. But, you know, for now, just like tease it out, I guess, that some new stuff is coming and it's going to be really fun. So. Yeah. And we also have some new resources that we're going to build into episodeapsec.com. Um, yep, too. Some stuff that we want to share out um, from a code review perspective, but also finding perspective. And so there'll be an announcement <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll start dropping some of that. Um, here pretty quick. Um, I, I know pretty quick, right? Probably within the next month or so. Uh, there quick there are some quick ish, right? Um, but we do we do want to make um, 
some resources available we think will be useful to the pen testers and you know the security professionals of the world. So, yep. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. All right. Well, yes, AppSec nihilism. Thanks for joining us for another hour of AppSec nihilism. Um, awesome. And we'll, yeah, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, as always, please jump into our Slack channel, join us, join the discussion. Um, I, I know there's been a lot going back and forth and I've missed you know half the conversation today on it, but um, there's some good things that are there. Or if there's jobs that you want to post, please let us know. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.